Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney. My podcast this week coincides with the Torah portion called Vayera, and I wish to acknowledge some of the truths that have come from Rabbi Chaim Richman from the Temple Institute. I think there are many takeaways from this particular portion. The reading starts in Exodus 6 verse 2 and it goes through to the end of chapter 9 verse 35. However, I want to share the nuggets found in the first few verses. Now, if you're not Jewish, please don't think this message isn't for you. It is taken from the word and if it's applied, it is the answer to every question that you have. I know that's quite a strong statement to make, but if you just follow with me by the end, you'll be able to marry that up. So Exodus 6 verse 2 says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Hashem. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai. But with my name Hashem, I did not make myself known to them. Hashem can be translated as Lord, and it represents the tetragrammaton that we know called yad heh vav heh or Yahweh. It's, not, it's probably not the correct pronunciation of his name, but I don't know if anybody knows it. It is pronounced in prayer as Adonai, or when referring to God reverentially, it's called Hashem, which literally means the name. Now, Shem is the Hebrew word for name, but it means so much more than just name. A related word is the word Neshama, which means breath. To a Hebrew, breath is more than just the exchange of air in the lungs. It is the seat of one's character. Now, how does that even relate? How does breath connect to our character? If you think about it, the word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you know what is in a person's heart the moment they open up their mouth to say something. You can see if there's a bit of a twist on things, if there's bitterness, you can pick that all up from the heart. Therefore, the heart reveals the character of a person, which is why it's connected to the breath. Why breath? Because when you speak words, you, you use breath to speak. The word Shem is also connected to the word fame. Now, this is our desire to have a good name. Now, if we talk to you about famous people, famous musicians, famous characters, if I said something like Tom Hanks or Justin Bieber or Kim Kardashian, straight away you have a picture of what they look like. Maybe you've even listened to a song or one of the songs of Justin Bieber is your favorite songs. Or maybe you remember a movie that Tom Hanks was in. Maybe you follow the reality show Kim Kardashian. You know about them because of the fame. They're covered on TV, on the news. Um, they have the reality shows. They're in magazines and newspaper. Their fame has preceded them and you know about them by what is revealed. You get a glimpse into the character. Now, I know a lot of Kevins. I know a few Kims, but I don't associate them with Kim Kardashian or any of these famous people because there's a certain character that comes out of what I know of these famous people that is either going to attract me to them or repel me from them. We also have the name, for instance, King David. It does the same kind of thing. In our Western thinking, king is the title that represents authority and David is the guy's name, right? And so I know a few Davids. I have a cousin called David, but I don't associate him with King David because the character or the authority is different when talking about King David in the Bible. In our Western thinking, the name 
actually is connected to the spelling of the name, the pronunciation of a name. It's the title that's given to a person. So for instance, a mother wants to know which kid has to come and unload the dishwasher. She calls the right name, right? And so that's in our Western thinking, how we relate to names. But in Hebrew thinking, a name or Shem denotes the character, authority, reputation, and even the purpose of an individual. And then those character traits that it comprises of yields the identity of the person. If we see Genesis 3 verse 20, we can see what Eve's reputation or her function and her purpose was. And in Genesis 3.20, it says that she was the mother of all the living. Um, if we look at Abraham, for instance, Genesis 12 verse 2 sums up his character by his name, which is to be great and to be a blessing. If we say we're coming out of Babylon, Babel or Babel, whatever your pronunciation is, means confusing and mixing. So when you come out of Babylon, you're coming out of confusion or mixing of the ways. Can you see, like we, we see the tower in front of us, but it's actually everything that it means. It's reputation that goes ahead of it. So in Exodus 6 verse 2, I'm just going to read it again. It says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Hashem. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai. But with my name Hashem, I did not make myself known to them. Is that even accurate? If it was only being introduced now, then why did God use this name in speaking to Abraham in Genesis 15 verse 7? And he spoke to Jacob using the name Hashem in Genesis 28 13. The name was also used by angels in Genesis 16, 18, and 19, and by the patriarchs themselves, too many times to count. I'm going to leave that with you for a second to ponder. Let's look again at that verse where it says, I will introduce myself as El Shaddai to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if we know that the name denotes the character and the purpose, what does El Shaddai mean? It means the one who is mighty or almighty God. In Genesis 17 verse 1, it says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be perfect. So El is the name of God that signifies the one who's in charge of the power systems of the universe, in charge of light and dark and gravity and energy. And Shad means breast. So what is this actually conveying about the character of El Shaddai? It means although he is in charge of everything in the universe, he is also the one who nurtures like a mother nurtures a child. It's the one who feeds us, bonds with us, cares for us, protects us. The one who provides the shelter, the one who gives me everything that I need from day to day. So when God revealed himself as El Shaddai, that's what he was saying. They knew him in that capacity, one who nurtures and provides for me. This was the character, the purpose, the authority, the capacity that God allowed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to know him in. Some commentaries explain that while the Tetragrammaton was known among the patriarchs, its significance wasn't known. This is because the patriarchs received their prophecy from the level associated with the name El Shaddai. Only Moses received prophecy from the level associated with the name of Hashem itself.
So what is the reputation and character of Hashem and the importance of why God is now revealing himself in this way to Moses? The name Hashem conveys the attributes and the character of mercy, love, compassion and kindness. Rashi points out that this Pasha is a direct continuation to the end of last week's Torah portion. That somehow God's statements to, to Moses formulate the answer to the questions that he posed. So let me just have a look. The, the, the previous passage was called Shemot. And let me just have a, a look at that. We see, we remember God revealing himself to Moses at the burning bush. And he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Do you remember the argument? Moses didn't, didn't just go, okay, cool, I'm, I'm on my way. No, there was this massive argument, negotiation with God. And he says, Pharaoh's not going to believe me. What am I supposed to say to him? What if the people don't believe me? I can't talk. He brings up all these excuses why he shouldn't be the one to go. And God does these miraculous signs and said, this is a sign that I'm going to be with you. And he tells him to put his staff down. It turns into a snake and then pick it up and it goes back to a staff. We also know that Moses is still not convinced. So God says, okay, take your hand, put it in your cloak. When Moses brings it out, it's full of leprosy. Before Moses has a big freak out, he says, okay, put it back in your cloak. And when he pulls it out, there's no more leprosy. God says, I'm with you. I've chosen you. I want you to go. But we see that things don't go smoothly because even God himself said, I will turn Pharaoh's heart. I will harden it so that he will not let the people go. So Moses went in knowing this whole thing. But here it seems that things actually get worse. You know, as a direct result of Moses and Aaron's petition to Pharaoh to let the people go, the Egyptian king doesn't say, okay, go. Actually, it gets worse. He says, oh, so you got time to go into the wilderness and offer sacrifices to your God. Obviously, I'm not keeping you busy enough. So, okay, I'm going to withhold straw from you and you have to make the same quota of bricks as you did before. And it says that the foremen of the children of Israel were beaten. It then goes on to say that these foremen met Moses and Aaron as they came out of Pharaoh's presence. And they said, may Hashem look upon you and judge you because you've made us a laughing stock in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servants to place a sword into their hands to kill us. So this is definitely not the outcome. So Moses returns and he says to Hashem, why have you harmed this people? You the one that sent me to speak to Pharaoh in your name. And now he's harming the people. You haven't saved them like you said you would. There's two reasons why Moses goes back with these questions. First of all, he thought that he had utterly failed in the mission that he'd been entrusted with. So he goes back to the one who gave him the mission in the first place. He asks, number one, why do you deal with the people in this way? Instead of delivering them, which is the whole point of this operation, things are now even worse for them. Of all the people, this is the second thing, of all the people you could have used, why did you use me? I told you I couldn't do it. People haven't been rescued and I'm completely incapable. Now, it's more than just saying Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't let the people go. Moses is now saying, not only are they not listening to me, but the people are paying the price. Can you imagine the hope that was generated in the children of Israel when they were told, here's a deliverer. 
you know, God is going to deliver you from the hands. You're going to come out of slavery. You're going to be set free. But now they're even more entrenched, more deeply in their slavery. And the harshness is unbearable. Hashem then replies, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. That key word is now. This is a thing that Hashem is waiting for. He's saying, I needed you to reach rock bottom. I needed to you to come to the end of yourself and your strength. And you probably noticed this yourself. You get a diagnosis to do with your health. What do you, what is, what do, you do? You go out, you do the research, you get as much information, you make changes, you see results which are good, but then six months later the cancer's back. And you come to the end, you go, I actually don't know what more I can do. I've done everything I know. I've taken out sugar. I've, you know, I'm exercising. I'm doing all these different things. I'm dealing with my emotions. And here, this cancer is back. And that's what God is saying. When you come to the bottom and to the end of your strength, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Moses and Aaron in the presence of the people are standing there completely bewildered. They cannot do anything to change the circumstances. They've had some wins. We know about the different plagues that have happened at Moses' hand, but they are not in control. It's at this point when they're out of control that God says that the delivery can commence. And it's going to become clear to all, to the Egyptians and the Israelites alike, that this is the sole work of God. Now that at the very last trace of any natural means of help has disappeared, everyone can see that Moses is the instrument, but the deliverance comes purely by the work of the hand of God. And then what does God say? It says, God told Moses that he would now see what God would do to Pharaoh. It says, for by a strong hand, he would let the people go. And by a strong hand, he would drive them out of the land. Well, which one is it? Is Pharaoh letting the people go or is he forcing them out of the land? What God is actually saying is when we come to this point where his hand does this mighty deliverance, the Pharaoh will have to let go against his will and the people will have to be driven out against their will. Remember, they've been in slavery for 400 years. When you come out of slavery, into this place of freedom and you don't know how to function there and you don't know which direction to go and you don't come with the manual, our first instinct is to go back to what was familiar. But here God is saying they're going to be forced out of that place of captivity. It isn't about either, you know, of, of the Israelites or the Egyptians. It's out of their hands. It's a total work by the hand of God. So God is telling Moses, I am Hashem, revealing his character of compassion and mercy and love. And this is the answer to Moses' despair and to the people's hardship. Just as it is the answer to every question that we have about God's mercy being concealed from our lives. And all of the illusions we suffer from, which convinces us that God has turned against us or he's not present in our lives. 2020 was a whoo year, right? And maybe we have questions. God, why did you let me get sick? God, why did you take my loved one when you could have healed them? God, why are you doing this in the different elections? And all he says is, I am Hashem. We have to remember that he says his ways are higher than our ways. 
And so, yes, of course, we question things. But then when we come to that place of total submission and reliance on him, he can actually reveal what that big plan is. And maybe you won't have answers to your questions right now, but they are there. And the answer is, I am Hashem. Now, every question comes from this truth of Hashem's total oneness being concealed and about Hashem's ways being impossible to comprehend. This concealment exists in our lives in order for us to exercise free choice. Believing in God and His oneness is everything because His existence is the only truth and everything stems from that. Psalms and Proverbs tell us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the sages teach that this is the basis for everything. Egypt isn't just a physical place where there were slaves once upon a time. Anywhere you are functioning as a slave with hard taskmasters and tormentors is an Egypt in your life. It means a place of limit. Whatever your question is, Hashem says, I am Hashem. Allow him to reveal his compassion and his loving kindness. Allow him to reveal that amazing work that he wants to do in your life to bring you deliverance. Have an awesome day.